When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the Tom Bernard Show.com brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Who, me? <laughs> I'd like to know if I was married to a whore piece of shit. (laughs) You could just look at her license. My special stripe. That was amazing. Oh my gosh. Coming by sweet corn, potatoes, onions, pickles. It's not how you use them, sir. (laughs) It's really sickening that anybody would be into radio this much. It is ungoddamn believable. I think I'm going to hell. I just realized it. Thank you, Tom. You're just delicious. This is why I drink. We're here today with Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant. Michael, what's going on? You know, we keep getting phone calls, and it's interesting because people try to handle a lot of stuff on their own, or they try to talk to the adjusters, or they wait, um, and they think maybe it'll cost them money if they talk to me. And, you know, we tell them it's free to talk to us. Um, I go through what their rights are and, you know, we try to help them as best we can. We don't sign everyone up. Sometimes I just give them advice and they go from there and then call us back later. But the key is, is that they don't know all their rights or they're not told all their rights by the adjuster. And that's one of the things we try to make sure that they get, you know, they get that understanding, uh, so they can help themselves and their families as best they can. And the number is? Is 800-770-7008. Or at the website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Brad, Sean, Bryant, Michael Bryant, thank you. Seeking justice for the injured, Brad, Sean, Bryant. everybody to another episode of the best of the tom bernard podcast brought to you as always by brad john bryant kicking off the show this week we had willie martin on the phone willie martin comedian willie martin and he's from texas next on the best of We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Cassie's kind of kissing up to you, Will Lee, playing a little. God bless Texas. God bless Texas, baby. Why not? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> so, Will Lee, so you, you have a couple of specials. I want to hear all about them. Yeah, so uh, about uh, about three years ago, three and a half years ago or so, you know, for the first five years of my career, I worked clean, and then the next 15, you know, we got further and further away from that. And then uh, about three and a half years ago, uh, 
Uh, I was out, you know, I was just, uh, honestly, I was out uh, mowing the grass and, and praying. And uh, I was like, you know, God, why why can't I grab the brass ring? I was a fat, uh, the fifth guy signed the Blue Collar Tour. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I had a CMT special that came out that had all the language in it that you would love to hear. And uh, and 1.7 million people had seen it, but you know I just still feel didn't feel like I was being fulfilled. And I was like, you know, why can't I feel that way? And and as you and I are talking, uh, I, the the answer came. You know, I, I put you on a cruise ship for seven years to work anything out on your career, and the only thing that you were willing to change was your name, and you wanted me to work the miracle. You've been waiting on me. I've been waiting on you. So I made wholesale changes in the act, and and it's still adult. I mean, it's still adult. I just took out all the adult language in it, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, made it a little bit more accessible. Plus, it's a good date night to come out to see the show. And then we went and we had so much material that we that we had changed and fixed, and and you know, on the ship themselves. You know, I do a lot of carnival, uh, not only theaters, but I do you know out at sea with carnival, and they have that punchliner comedy club and and i had three and a half hours of material so we went take two hours of material one a regular one uh called standing in the middle and the other one's called the nutcracker which is a christmas special which 35 minutes of it is based on my vasectomy so that (laughs) (laughs) okay well but it's also christmas and uh it was a present uh, for my wife you know we've got five kids and uh, so she, that, that's what she wanted one year, and it's turned into a great bit. So uh, the nutcracker. Honey, what do you want for really? Christmas the this year? Uh, you to get a vasectomy. You to get a vasectomy. That's what I want this Christmas. This is the gift that keeps on giving for a lifetime. Well, it really does. You know, it's, uh, it's because now uh, you know there's no inhibitions on my part because now that I can't make a baby, let's do this thing. <laughs> You know, William, I got to tell you something. You just brought a horrible memory back to me by mention of vasectomies because when I had mine, you know how they cauterize the veins when they're done? Uh, I got to go. The smell of that that is the worst odor I have ever experienced in my life. Your own. I didn't didn't have the cauterization. He used uh, the stitches, and at some point, uh, you know, he's like, let me put in two. And at some point, I thought, oh my God, I'm going to look down and see the Nike swoosh. Hey. hey, hey! that might be a good branding option. Yeah, branding. <laughs> Just do it. You could get Just an endorsement. It. Just done it. Yeah. How, Just how done great it. would that be? You walk out on stage, hey, look at my sack. That's great. That's oh wonderful. My. That is wonderful. That would be a good Instagram post anyway. <laughs> yes. So, William, do you... I do want to mention... Oh, yeah, I do ahead. want to mention that my wife and I also run a charity called Cowboys of Care Foundation. Oh, that's very uh, nice. We started uh, about eight years ago with a young lady named Ashley Miller, and when I met Ashley, y'all, she was 12 years old and she had a rare form of cancer and her mom and dad asked me to put my name on a golf tournament to raise some money for her and i was happy to do that and then i got to know ashley and her mom and her dad and, and her cancer goes into remission then it came back with a vengeance and she lost her battle with cancer in june of 2011 since then we tried to get ourselves involved with pediatric cancer because we have five amazingly healthy kids and four amazingly healthy grandsons and we knew we wanted to help and just didn't know how and then one day I just Googled kids with cancer images, kind of opened it up to the universe, see if I could find an answer. And I had all these big, bright, beautiful faces, beautiful smiles, and bald heads. And in the mirror, oh, yeah. I could see my cowboy hat. And that's when it hit me. With these kids in these cowboy hats, what seven-year-old wants to wear a wig 
what seven-year-old wouldn't want to wear a cowboy hat? All right. We formed Cowboys of Care Foundation, a nonprofit organization, a 501c3, with the sole mission of providing support, smiles, and brand-new hats to kids with cancer. In the last eight years now, we've given away a little over 9,000 brand-new cowboy hats across the country. That's wow, wonderful. That's Congratulations. Thank that's, you that, for doing yes, that. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and I mention it because we also have a new program as well called the Request a Hat Program. So before we'd have to come to the hospital and make the visit and we'd bring rodeo stars and we still do that. That's a big part of our program. But now we've developed this thing called a request a hat. So God forbid if one of your listeners out there has a child that's going through what we're talking about, you can simply go to cowboyswhocare.org and hit the request a hat button and fill out the little form and we'll send that child a brand new cowboy hat free of charge no shipping no handling no nothing you just got to fill out the form and tell us a little bit about what's going on that's great we need more william martins in the world i think well i'm trying to get back into heaven you know uh, (laughs) what i did in the 90s i'm really hedging my bet i'm looking for like a mansion i'm looking for like an efficient the apartment probably have to get a job if i'm there sure. oh, no you're in you're in texas i thought you were in heaven yeah <laughs> well i don't know if you've ever been here in the summertime but i, I think that describes hail I, I, li- I lived in grand prairie did you really for one year yeah, i didn't know that one year that was enough where's grand prairie <laughs> right next to arlington right between dallas and fort worth Oh, okay. So spent a lot of fun it, times at the it stockyards. It absolutely is. It's, yeah. it's right there by Six Flags. Yes. Yep. Six Flags and 110 degrees. Six Flags all over yeah. uh, the uh, entire country. And uh, we were in St. Louis, and we went to Six Flags. Oh, yeah. We, uh, saw yeah. all the employees. Why do they call it Six Flags? And nobody had any idea. They don't know why it's called Six Flags? And they work do you there? all know why it's called Aren't Six they, Flags? I thought they were the territories in Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, it was the six flags that have flown over the uh, uh, over Texas. So that would be the U.S. That would be uh, uh, Mexico. That would be the Confederacy. That would be I know, and that's still part of the flags that they have out. Uh, that would also be uh, uh, heck. I don't know now, but there's six. <laughs> well, of them. The, the U.S. Well, the Texas flag, right? Yeah, yeah. I, U.S. Texas. Uh, Spain, Mexico, Spain, uh, and Spain. Uh, Mexico. Yeah. And Iceland. Republic of Texas. <laughs> Vermont. Frank. Vermont. Yes, in Vermont. Yes. That was the in other Vermont. one. Vermont. Well, that's why they call it that. And, and uh, so you would think if you worked there, you would at least ask somebody somewhere in orientation. Yes. Why do we call this place? See, I thought, it, I literally thought it was six different territories in the state of Texas. So I was wrong about that. <laughs> The more you ask, the more you know. (laughs) That's the more you ask, the more you know. And I feel much better about myself as we speak. I will tell you that. I think it's William. I'm not kidding you. We got to get you up here. I think you'd be a big hit up here because we don't hear a lot of that uh, middle ground stuff up here, which we're all very, very big fans of. Well, you know, we talk a lot about uh, the family and 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 growing up, and and uh, you know, I tell young comics all the time, we're trying to be funny and just report the funny. Because yeah. what happens to us are, are the funniest things. Uh, you know, God has obviously uh, got a sense of humor. And if you don't believe me, I have two words for you. Yao Ming. <laughs> right. He made six billion people under five foot tall, and he made one eight and a half foot tall. <laughs> Apparently, God's a prop act. Hey, he's all covered. Yao Ming, eight and a half feet tall. 
<laughs> you could pick them out in the crowd, though. That's nice. Absolutely. You know, and uh, and, and <laughs> the things that happen to our, our everyday lives are funny. My dad called me three days ago. He's he's almost 80. He turns 80 on uh, on November the 22nd. And he called me. He was flying from Chicago back down to Dallas. And uh, uh, he went up there for a funeral. And he goes, you know, son, I was just on a miracle flight. And I said, why did you say that, Pop? He goes, before we got on, they said, anybody who needs extra time, come on. And uh, 35 people in a wheelchair got on first. And then we landed in Dallas and Fort Worth. And every one of them saw the guns walked off of there. <laughs> well, that's Apparently, right. Jesus was on flight 1408 today. <laughs> Healing everybody. <laughs> Jesus Jesus healing everybody. Healing everybody. Will Lee Martin, ladies and gentlemen, comedian William Lee Martin has two stand-up specials debuting in time for the holidays. William, we'll get you we gotta get you booked up here. You gotta come to town, sir, all right? Love to. Yeah, right, well, let's th- talk about that off the air. We will get that done, absolutely. Thank you, sir. You bet. And they can find any of that stuff at WilliamLeeMartin.com. They can download uh this uh the one special's already out. And uh, the other one comes out on December the 10th. So uh, they can download it at WeedonLeeMartin.com. Love it. Thanks, Will. Thanks, bud. Good day, sir. Bye-bye. How do we? How'd you find Will Lee Martin? Um, I got a press release for him. I'm oh, like, you did? Oh, I got to get him booked. He's, oh, he's, he was terrific. I watched some of his YouTube stuff. I'm like, oh, Tom would love him. I do, because um, he's not obnoxious about it. He's just like, hey, you know, who does he sound just like? Sounds just like... Uh, he sounds like an actor... Ah, uh, it's not. I was listening. I was trying to play. It sounds like, a little like Matthew McConaughey. A little. That's not who I was thinking. All right, all right, all right. No, that's not it. Nah, I I know what you're talking about. Can't think of it. He does. He, you know, who sounds a lot like is another comedian. Uh, he was one of the one of the blue collar comedy guys. He does a commercial now for some in, insurance company. You're talking about Bill Engvall? Bill Engvall. Oh, that's yeah, exactly Bill. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Sounds, sounds kind of yeah. like Bill Engvall, in a way. Bill's a good guy. There's your sign. I heard you interviewing Mo Roca this morning. He's, he he's was fun. good. Mo Roca was I, great. I know you hate public radio, but there's a show called Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. He's a regular on it, and he's really good. No, no, I like him. Look, I don't like CBS News either, but he's on there, and I like I, yeah. No, Mo, he's Mo's funny. a very funny yeah. guy. And he's a smart guy, too. Mobituaries. Yeah. <laughs> he wrote a book called Mobituaries, which he takes... You know, like Herbert Hoover's obituary mm-hmm. and reports on, you know, all the things he actually went through and did. But because people think that Herbert Hoover was a disaster, but he wasn't. The whole con- economy collapsed after eight months in office. And that, you can't blame that on a guy who's only been there for eight months. So well, we just did. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, that's true. We just did. That's very true. Obama got a little on him, I think. <laughs> Damn it. Just a little. Just a little. But it all works out in the end. Um, we all, all the uh, the people in this room, the seven people in this room right now, survived the first day of the impeachment hearing. So I'm really glad that all of that, just that overwhelming evidence on both sides. Oh, like, what a joke. Have you watched any of this? No, not even a minute. Honestly, it, th- there's nothing there on either side. Is it a nothing burger? It's a nothing burger, <laughs> honey. That's exactly what it is. I just, I don't understand. Why do we have to do this? Why, why, why? Because that's what was promised. And, of course, CNN, it's over for Trump. Fox, it's over for Adam Schiff. It's like, God, what is it? Well, I just think, you know, legally, okay, so Clinton was impeached, but he wasn't convicted. Right. Yeah, that's correct. So, so, and that was because... He uh, lied to Congress. He lied lied to Congress. Congress. He clearly should have probably 
been convicted. He should have been since convicted. He was, yeah. you yeah. know, technically mm-hmm. molest- lied to Congress, molesting <laughs> interns. Yeah, it would have been nice. Look, I mean, it's a situation. The the, the, the Republicans brought this do. upon themselves. They should have never tried to impeach Bill Clinton because it was never going to happen. Oh, this is payback for Clinton. Absolutely, it is. And just like this, they're never going to convict Trump. If this is all pissing away taxpayer money on their egos. That's was all this is. Facebook posting my uh, cousin in Vermont, who's an attorney, and we were talking about the hearings. I Boy, said, all you that know, horrible crime in Vermont that yeah. he has to take care of. Huh? Well, she does family. Uh, oh, she does family. Uh, okay. Family stuff. So. All right. Um, and we were talking back and forth, and I said, you know, it's just attorneys boring other attorneys in front of cameras. It's really horrible. I said, I kind of miss the uh, Mc- James McCord and the White House plumbers, at least the Watergate earrings. These guys were pretty funny. They were funny. Well, exactly you know, we didn't true. think we were going to get caught. <laughs> they didn't think we were going to get caught. Oh, Tom, you put, it, you put it the right way, that it's professional wrestling for po- politicians. It is. Professional I, wrestling. I wish they would just get in the ring. Just get in the ring already. Almost all of them are attorneys in the House. Yeah, they are. Yeah. That's what it is. Adam well, Schiff de- was Harvard Law, I think. Democrats are all attorneys. Well, a lot of Republicans in- are, too. Most are presidents have been. Yeah, sure. Are they now? Yeah, I don't know. Adam Schiff, I, I just, here's the two things I wish. I wish Donald Trump would shut up. Not Why happen. are you commenting during the hearing? Well, and then get off of Twitter for Christ's sake! And then he said in a press conference that he was too busy with the Turkish president to even watch it. So I know dude, you're live tweeting. You're live tweeting, you liar! <laughs> and then if Adam Schiff could get his eyes a little more wide open, that'd be really great. I think he needs Jesus, some Ray Bans. Like, <laughs> what maybe is with got, those maybe eyes? Maybe he's got Graves' disease or whatever. He's got that some is. disease. I can guarantee what you that. If he is really not doing his own tweets, think about it. Well, he might if, not be. That's what if true. his wife has <laughs> run Melania? his Twitter account? Actually, think about it. I read an article. Think about it. With all of, I mean, the grammar is terrible. That, um, is. There are some White House staff members that do some of that tweeting. It's Absolutely. just a whole thing. Oh, do they really? Absolutely. They've copied his style. Uh, sure. uh, God, don't do that. It's a big mistake. I don't, why do they have to do it? It's Obama's fault. You know, he ran the first modern campaign in 08, and he was the first guy to use Twitter and social media, and then Donald Trump shows up and he goes, all right, hold my beer, watch this. <laughs> Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. The stars at night are big and bright. Big in the heart of Texas. He's bound and down, loaded up and trucking. Are we going to do what they say can't be done? Martin on the best of. Coming up next, SNL alum Chris Catan was in studio. He's performing at the New Hope Cinema Grill this weekend. Chris Catan next on the best of. We'll bring it back no matter what it takes. He's pounding down, Chris Catan with us, ladies and gentlemen. New Hope Cinema Grill. What we we're talking about, Bobby Slayton, and he was at the New Hope Cinema Grill when that woman got upset on the first date. It was wonderful to watch. Was it wonderful to watch? It really was, Bob. <laughs> what, what was it? Uh, well, you can't say what upset. Well, her, he was I going guess. after women, and you know, how, you know how Bobby always does. Sure, it. He does his deal, and she was very offended because I he wasn't so. sensitive or something. Right, but just that one woman was. Uh, actually, she, yeah, she's the only got upset, but the guy in front of me, right, like. I don't know why he did this, mm-hmm. but as Bobby went along, and I've known Bobby for 30 years. He's a good friend. Just, I, I love going to see him. Yeah. But the guy in front of me, like, uh, 
Bobby would tell a joke. And then right after he's done the, the, with the joke, the guy in front of me would go, two guys walk into a bar, and one of them, he would repeat the joke. Oh, oh he did? Like, oh, God. Oh, no. Every <laughs> joke, he would repeat it. Like, well, mm. don't do that. Please right. don't repeat the joke. That's sir. not, that's antagonizing. It is antagonizing. It's a great room you're playing. Well, you've been there before. It is, yes. I, I it, do love it. It is yeah. a great room. The, the name of the place always confused me, though. Cinema <laughs> Grill. Cinema Bar and Grill. Cinema Hope. What New is it? Cinema. New Hope <laughs> Cinema Grill. Yeah. The Bar with Hope. That's what the Bar with Hope. <laughs> the bar you know, because it's a hope. movie, it's a theater, and a place yeah. to do stand-up. Yeah, and it's a restaurant. Right? And it's a restaurant. And you got everything Stra- going. A yeah. lot of things, a lot of activities to do. Yep. Ron Jeremy films playing. Ron Jeremy. <laughs> you You're telling jokes. He's got his I'm dick hanging jokes. out. You know? Yeah, and I, and I tend to repeat my jokes as well. So <laughs> always, just okay, in case. so here's the punchline again. <laughs> yeah, in case. For those women who didn't listen, because you were covering your ears, for whatever reason. You don't get a lot of that, I would imagine. No, I don't. Crowds, you? Women, I, I think, think, interestingly enough, and I, and I guess I'm happy about that, that Women seem to uh, come more to my shows than males. I think I'm more well, it's of because you're such a handsome devil. That's clearly a reason. Clearly, um, <laughs> they, uh, but no, I think uh, they do. I maybe because I'm not a macho mask. You know, I'm not like a. Uh, I have football jokes and yeah, things no, like no, that. No, I understand that, that. doesn't make sense, but <laughs> no, you know it does saying. to me. I know exactly you what know. you're talking about. So, uh, so women tend to bring their male friends or boyfriends. I think boyfriends. So I don't yeah, think I women, women don't get offended. By my humor, no, and I, I do have sexual jokes too. You, you don't? Do you do any of the characters you used to do? I do. Like yes, I mean I don't dress Good. up. I'm not going to dress up as Mango. And, no, I can you know, see. Like, Hello, everybody. I'll do the voice, but I'm not going to put on the shorts. I, I don't want to. I don't want you to do the joke, and you're not going to put the shorts. No, not the Mango shorts. I, I wouldn't. That would be offensive to the men. To the men. Yeah, in the audience. I, I could see that. Yes, absolutely. But I just. Those characters, I told you this morning on the KQ Morning Show, I just love those characters. Uh, every one of your characters, well, because I said, this is a true yes. story. You tell you tell jokes well, but you also have this physical element that's not overdone. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys, when they get, or women, when they try to get physical in their act, they, they way overdo it. Mm-hmm. And it kind of takes away, but yours is kind of like, that's how that guy would really move. Yeah, I, I um, well, like I told you earlier this morning that I was uh, in, uh, trained at the Groundlings, the improv uh, yeah. comedy troupe, and they, they're really good about, uh, you know, teaching you how to observe and, and, and really observe humanity and human characteristics and idiosyncrasies and all those things. So I, I think a lot of my characters, um, like most of the more popular characters, I think, uh, on SNL were, were human-based, you know, yeah. even though mine do tend to be a little... Uh, out there, you know. I mean, Mr. Peepers, even though it's That's a crazy it's monkey character or whatever, <laughs> there is some humanity to it. Right. I mean, there is some, you know, but uh, in Mango, you know, too, and even the Roxbury guys, you know, there's some tragedy there for sure. You know, they can't get a dance. Nobody okay. wants to dance with them. Nobody wants to dance with <laughs> so them. Yeah. You just taught me something about myself that I didn't even realize until you said this because the only. And, and I felt really weird about it, and I kind of felt bad about it. Yeah. But I would go to people, like, in the very early days of yeah. Saturday Night Live and go, why do you think that bee thing is funny? Why do you think the cone heads oh, are funny? Right, right. Because that, to me, is not funny in the least. Right. I just like the... Like Mango sure. is a real guy somewhere. Yes, it is you know, a, it's a frustrated real stripper. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's why I think it's so wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you. That means a lot to me. I, oh, I, I do like to, um, it's easier for me to play, you know, and just, um, I mean, I always did theater as a child and I wanted to be an actor before a comedian. 
you know, and I, I watched uh, great movies, you know, a lot of Scorsese and Coppola, and Brand I was brought up watching Brando and, you know, that oh, kind yeah. of stuff. So not a bad I really, actor. not a bad actor at all. <laughs> but, you know, and I, I really, um, I really got into, uh, I just know, you know, humanity and, and, and things that you could relate to watching an actor are the things that people like the most, you know, and I think, um, you know, like Molly or Will or, you know, there's mm -hmm. some, uh, you know, great performers on the show or, you know, had, um, per, per, you know, humanity behind their characters. And that's what makes them watchable. You know, Maya Rudolph, I another one, a lot of people, you know, <clears throat> yep, I absolutely love people. that because they're people and they're kind of like, you know, there's somebody like them really yeah. out there. somewhere, right. And that's why it's so damn funny. Yeah. To me. They need to be you grounded. Know? I think characters need to be grounded. I think that's what makes them yep, I agree. stronger. And I think uh, nobody would be offended by any of your mango or any of that. I wouldn't think. I don't think so. I, there was a character I did do, do, might be a little offensive now, was my interpretation of Antonio Banderas on the How Do You Say <laughs> no, see, IS show. It's funny. It was funny, yes. It was but, really but funny. But he was sexist on the show. He, yeah. he isn't sexist as a person. Right. But on right. the show, he would have a guest, and he'd, like, talk about their breasts, basically. <laughs> Like, yeah, Jennifer. Well, I was going to do that on. to you, uh, but yeah, what, you, know, no, been, you can talk. You've been really tightened up your. You I, I, my pecs are different. <laughs> pecs naturally are different. There you go. But like for, I guess I could say it on air. Well, it was on television. But yeah. for Jennifer uh, Love Hewitt was on, and she was, you know, and and she has breasts. And uh, I, while she was speaking, <laughs> while she was speaking, although in the Saturday Night Live 40th anniversary, they did show the clip. So five years ago, it was okay. Yeah, um, but I did say, uh, wait a minute here. Wait, your breasts. What are their names? <laughs> and, and then she, and then, yeah, I said, okay. what are their names? And she goes, what are you talking about? So I go, shh, they're sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> Don't wake them. Don't wake them. They are like two friendly, boobly things. <laughs> I mean, whatever. But that might be offensive now. But I don't think so because it, I like my brother-in-law. So. My brother-in-law, Pat O'Brien, was his name. He's no longer with us, unfortunately. Right. But yeah, uh, Pat O'Brien. But he was Puerto Rican. Mm. So you figure that out, Pat O'Brien. That's offensive. <laughs> right. yeah, Puerto Rican yeah. whose no. name is Pat O'Brien. <laughs> exactly. He's <laughs> Irish. I'm Irish Puerto Rican. Irish Puerto Rican. Rican. That's racist. Exactly. Clearly. Yeah, it probably is. Yeah. But I, I got to tell you, honest to God, being around right. some of his friends and relatives, that's kind of. The generation before us, mm -hmm. that's kind of how they talk. Yeah, yeah. They just did. Right. It is, uh, it is a very, uh, it's not a difficult time. We just have to be careful. Um, for me, though, I've never really leaned towards politics and uh, yeah, you, offensive right, humor. Right. I, I just lean toward character. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, and and what what I can apply myself to in my my defaults, you know, and what I'm insecure about, and then put that and apply that to my character. But that's, so that's why a it's safe so funny sound. because you well, know what you. it that's, feels like. Yeah, that's why it's so funny because you act. That's how you actually feel. Right. You bring that on. It's like, yeah, it's not yeah. phony at all. It's right. there. And and I think that's why. Um, a lot of my characters, it may have been the same joke, but it was enjoyable to watch because it is, it, it is, mm -hmm. it's human. You know, there, it, my feelings are involved in my performance. That's how so. it should be. But look, my mother was funny as hell, but she didn't know it. Right. She didn't mean to be funny. Sure. She just was. was yeah. Like some of the stuff she would say, like, you really meant that? Yeah. My you mom know. is the same way. She, she had a dark sense of humor. <laughs> she would say things that get a rise out of people, you know. Oh, I like that. Yeah. No, she was, she she tough? was very funny. She, tough as a mother? Yeah. 
Um, no. I mean, she threw a frying pan at me once because I was <laughs> late coming home. She was five. She's only she was only five foot tall though. Too, oh really? So, yeah, because I'm well, I'm five seven, but you know yeah. she's. She's a short woman, and um, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I think she was very loving. Um, but she, she, I, I guess she could be tough, you know. She, she wanted to teach me about common sense, and for those as a child, you know, when you're a child and you don't know about common sense, and you need to be taught that, that could be tough. You know, but this, I know about it now. <laughs> this would be funny to what uh, to somebody observing it. Sure. When I was 16 years old. I decided I didn't want to get up and go to school. Right. right. So my mother's off. She's a waitress, a diner waitress her whole life. Right? Mm-hmm. So she goes, Tommy, you got to get up and go to school. I said, I'm not going to school. Right. About two minutes later, here she comes and she's crying. Mm-hmm. And she has a suitcase. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you're going to have oh, to move out. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> All right, exactly. What phenomenal is that? That's great. I mean, that's brilliant. Yeah. I'm really, really heartbroken, you, but you got to move out. Right. You're not going to listen to me. Get the hell out. Right. <laughs> Well, you laugh about it now. You probably did it at the time. Oh, I said, you know, I was going like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Once I figured it out, you probably (laughs) thought it was she was being serious. Oh, yeah, but then I realized maybe she was. Yeah, maybe she probably was serious. Come to think of it, you might have been being serious, and I just misinterpreted it. Yeah. I don't know, I, but I love. Do you think you have to grow up around someone like your mother or my mother in order to kind of understand what it is all about anyway? Uh, you know, yeah. Humor, what do you mean? Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think. Yeah. Well, I was fortunate. I had a dad that was in showbiz, a character actor. My mom was a model who did not like showbiz, and um, and uh, my stepdad, who was I told you before, was a Zen monk. So mm-hmm. I had a great, wonderful variety of uh, things to be. Uh, for me to follow and be uh, inspired by and also to be uh, pushed away. Things that I didn't want to listen to. Yeah. You know, so it was a good, you know, uh, a good, uh, it was a good pattern, a good way to grow up. You know, my my dad inspired me very much, but he didn't father me very well, so I didn't like my mother because she had to be the policewoman. Yeah. And then later as I grew up, you know, um, I found out my father was you know more my, my my mother was actually funnier than my father even though they were in separate <clears throat> businesses you know right. and um you know so I, I i uh whatever yes it did it shaped me for from who for who i am for sure so did your Definitely. mother tell your father to shut up a lot uh i think to well she divorced him when he, i was you know in the one two year marriage so i guess that's a way of saying shut up <laughs> the reason I ask you that question yeah. is because you go, well, from you, I'm going to yeah. a Zen monk. Right. She, she left <laughs> my dad thought. for a Zen monk. See, so. there you go. Yeah, exactly. You need to shut up or I'm going to a yeah. guy that never talks. Because I'm going to go to a guy who's always shutting up. <laughs> you know, that's great humor right, right there. Yeah, that's it wonderful. Is. You're right. It's great it stuff. Is, it is humor. I have to, that is the <laughs> kind of humor I have to write. Marry actually. a guy who shuts up. That's phenomenal. You're right. <laughs> going to take a break. Be right back in a couple of minutes more with Chris Catan. He's at New Hope Cinema Grill tonight and tomorrow night, two shows. Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. Chris Kattan on the best of the Tom Bernard podcast. Coming up next, closing out the show. We're opening up the vault. All the way back to episode 133 with Paul Mercurio, kind of turning the tables and interviewing Tom. 
next on The Best Of. Royalty of Minnesota, oh, the Bernard family. Royalty. Right. Tom Bernard, famous radio personality. <laughs> yeah, put it next to the Taking coffee a, cup so we can get the uh, scale of his. Picture of your uh, mushroom-like, uh, <laughs> there you go. Open wide. And, oh, my God. And, uh, I'm sorry I'm doing that That's in front of That's Negro smirk, <laughs> I think. <laughs> yes, it is. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> so, and I'm sitting, Tony Lee next to me looks completely disgusted and is throwing up in his mouth right now. And, there, uh, and we are at uh, Tom Bernard's podcast studio here in uh minneapolis uh minnesota exactly and uh on a at a table that has an assortment of things my phallic microphone (laughs) uh gluten-free pretzels pumpkin tortilla chips which is i don't even want to discuss and then hand cream so i don't know what they're doing (laughs) but apparently there's some hand cream and then you've got renews it that's an anal renews it. it no, anal that's renews. because we a lot of times have the little dog in here, and she does fart up a storm. So. The dog. She does. And the we dog. wave it around by her whenever she... <laughs> and that lovely voice, that voice is the lovely Catherine Renard, uh, who Hello. is Hello. married to Tom, and much like my, like my wife deserves some kind of medal for that. Long-suffering. Uh, Correct. Long-suffering. Uh, Sean Bernard is uh, the GM of the station. Uh, Tony Lee and Andy Bernard is working the board. Yeah. Not say. the one that works on the office. He's our techie No. Guy. He's our techie and a mass murderer, but the nicest guy you'll ever meet. But he will kill you and eat your organs. (laughs) Not all of them. Not all of them. Just the tasty bits. And everybody's been very kind to take time out of their busy day handling Tom Bernard to uh, hang out with us. That is true. And Tom's a a lovely man. Well, thank you very much. He has cancer. (laughs) He's got a spot. Again. He's got a spot. I got a spot on my arm. Probably a felt tip marker the next day. <laughs> right, exactly. You know Rain Wilson. Yes. Right? So he was on the KQ Morning Show mm. last uh, last week. And he's just a hell of a nice guy. He's a great guy. Just a re- very nice guy. And we got into discussing, you know, wives. And I talked about Catherine. And and I said, you know, I, I just don't see what what's in it for her. Mm. Right? We talk about, I'm happily married, I love my wife, but I don't see what's in it for her. And there was this pause, and then Rain Wilson said, well, you sound handsome. (laughs) (laughs) It was fabulous. You do. You have a great, great, you were one of the top three, Sean and I were talking earlier, one of the top three voiceover guys in the country for a number of years. For like 25 years. And you were doing that in New York? In New York. In the 70s. 70s, 80s, 90s. You met Catherine in New York. No. No, actually. But wasn't she pregnant in New York and then you moved out of Manhattan because you had gotten several women pregnant at the same time? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly (laughs) Several black women and Catherine. I I I actually have a story about that early in my radio career. Oh. I uh, was working at WAPE in Jacksonville. Yes. And they hired me because they thought I sounded black. (laughs) You do. Because at at night, the signal is an AM station. And during the day, it would go everywhere. But at night, it went right through the ghetto out into the ocean. (laughs) So they said, well, we're not hiring a black guy. So this is like 1977. This is a true story. It's like, well, I don't know any Negroes hanging around here. but uh, So let's hire this white guy from Minnesota because he sounds black anyway. Because it's the the tone of my voice. It's timbre or whatever, right? So my first night on the air. Oh, God, two things happen. So my first night on the air down there, 
uh, Grease Man. I don't know if you've ever heard of Grease Man. Yes. He was the morning guy. Yes. And he, 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 he used to do like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was in D.C. when I was, in, I was in D.C. in law yep. school. Yep, absolutely. The Grease Man. Popeye thing? He would kind do, of like a pop. Okay. He would do this weird, like it was almost quagmire on Family Guy, and he'd oh, do yeah. this, uh, the, the, the Grease Man, the, like it was this weird high-pitched thing. So three things happened my first night on WAPE. Um, Grease Man knew the, the sheriff of Orange County really, really well. They right. were really good friends. Wait, you didn't say WAPE, did you? Yeah. Wape. It was the ape. <laughs> the ape. The ape. Yeah, yeah I know this kind of wape. Yeah. <laughs> it's a like really a... bad name for a ghetto radio <laughs> yeah, station. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, wow. We could just call it W, w Spear Chucker and getting it over with. <laughs> See, I think it and he says it. Huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. I don't so, think any black people like me, so they don't listen to my stuff. So here's the deal. So we get, we, we're thinking we're going to have everybody fooled now and blah, blah, blah. So... I go on the air, and the phones start ringing off the hook. And I answer the first phone, and this woman goes, Catman. My, my name was Catman. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you why you were called Catman. I think because other people thought I sounded like Wolfman Jack. Right. So, I don't know. Uh, Jim Chanel was the program director at KSTP at the time, and he gave me that name. This is here in um, yeah, this is Minneapolis. Yes, where, you start, you where you started your radio career. Yes. Right. They want another animal. Want another animal with a man, animal man, Tom the eel. Tom had a tendency to clean himself in public. (laughs) Yes, exactly. He would eat and then lick and lick his himself. And lemur man was already taken. (laughs) Lemur man, (laughs) shark man was taken. There already was a shark man. Scale lemur man. There we know ape man was taken because that was the mascot for W (laughs) ape. Exactly for ape. If you like bananas and watermelon, you're gonna love our radio show. So this. I get this call for this one. She goes, Cat Man. I said, Yes. First of all, let me tell you something. I know you ain't black. I said, What are you talking about? She goes, I'm not a fool. <laughs> Your cover was blown. I said, Okay, well, so what if I'm not? She goes, You have any pictures? And I said, No, I ain't got any. She goes, Cat Man, you a public speaking man. It's not, I ain't got any. It's, I doesn't have any. <laughs> That's true story. Awesome. Oh That's a God. true story. It turns out that was Aretha Franklin. <laughs> yeah, it was. Absolutely. So then there's this pause, and she goes, So, Catman, you ever laid down with a black woman? <gasps> this is what Ooh, she asked me. Said, well, I'm sweating at this point. The station is out in the middle of nowhere, by the way. I mean, it's out in the middle of the swamps yeah. in northern Florida. I'm like, oh, God. I said, I'll tell you what. Give me a call tomorrow night, and we'll continue our conversation. This part, next part, I will have to do word for word. Otherwise, it doesn't have the impact. It just doesn't. Now, I'm from Minnesota. I don't know anybody in the city of Jacksonville, Florida. No one. So the sheriff calls, and he says, uh, so, Cat, man, uh, I wonder if you could go on there and tell everybody we found this very expensive racing bicycle. Uh, and if somebody could call and claim it, then, you know, that'd be great. This thing's worth several hundred dollars. And I said, okay, well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we just do this? Why don't we just put you right on the air, and you can describe the, you know, the important parts, and then people will be able to claim the thing. Right? <laughs> so I said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, as you know, Grease Man's a great friend, you know, Buford Pusser, whatever the guy's name is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <some> Pusser. <laughs> Buford Pusser, the, uh, whatever. So I said, 
So, Sheriff, I understand you found a racing bicycle. Well, that's exactly right, Cat. Man, we found this racing bicycle. It's one of them Fuji lightweight frame bicycles. It costs a lot of money, very valuable. And if you can call the sheriff's office and, and describe the bicycle, you know, therefore, best thing, of course, would be to have the serial number on file at your house. So we definitely know it was yours. Uh, so if you can call and claim it at the sheriff's office, we'd like to get your bicycle back to you. And I said, well, it might help. Uh, where did you find that bicycle? He goes, right in the heart of nigger town. Oh, oh Jesus. my God. Oh. I'm like, because oh now again, this signal's going right through yeah. the ghetto, out into the <laughs> right, ocean. Right. I'm in the middle of nowhere, right. yeah. out in the swamps, right? So I go, oh well, boy, look at the time. We'd love to stay in schmooze, Be fabulous. So I hang up. The phone starts ringing like a son of a bitch. I mean, it's off the table about two feet because wow. I'm getting so many calls. Yeah, not one complaint about nigger town. <laughs> But it was everybody's bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> it was unbelievable. That is awesome. I, Welcome to the dead. South. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know. Any, you know, I, I had never been in the deep south. Because Jacksonville is not Florida. It's the deep south. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, it's just the deep south. It's deliverance, yeah. But I just... So I'm... <laughs> next day, I'm on my way into work because I work like 7 to midnight. Yeah. I'm on my way into work, and there's this guy in a Jiffy Mart, and he's about 450. He's wearing the bib overalls, the whole deal. <laughs> right. And he's got five candy bars in each hand. Right. So he's got ten total candy bars. And he walks up to the counter. And the guy behind the counter looks at him. He goes, well, I'm going to have a nice little dinner tonight. And he goes, them's for after supper. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, it's a true story. Right? So now to wrap this whole thing up. Dessert. It's dessert. To wrap this whole dessert. thing up. I get off at midnight. I don't know anybody. So I figure, I'll, well, I'll just go to the Waffle House and I'll have a late dinner and, and you know, just think about this move that I've made here to Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> You've been there how long at that point? Two days now. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh. So I go to the Waffle House and there are these two women sitting in a booth and they both have curlers in their hair. Of course. Right? They got their big hair, head full of curlers. It was curler night at the Waffle House. <laughs> at the Waffle House. <laughs> you get free waffles if you bring your, wear your curlers. So... So I'm sitting there and I'm eating my little waffle and going, I hope I meet someone, you know, to talk to and not be by myself all the time. Uh, and this other big woman with curlers in her hair comes walking in and she looks down at one of the other two curlered women and said, I heard you called my daughter a bitch. Boom! Punches her right in the right fucking in the mouth. mouth. I mean, just blasts her right in the mouth with a, with a, a right hand. And I just dropped my fork and I said, where the fuck am I? Is this before or after you got fleas? We had fleas. Yeah, my apartment oh, had fleas, too. By the way. You had fleas in Florida? had fleas, yeah. Oh they gave me this beautiful apartment. Gave me a brand new. Back then, this was a big deal. Gave me a brand new Monte Carlo. Oh, wow. Really Look at you. That's perfect place. down there. Oh, absolutely. A lot of Cubans jump in the car with you. One problem, I said, the station, uh, the station and the apartment's got fleas. You know, and I didn't. I'd never been around fleas before. 
but like right around the top of my sock line, I'm getting this red ring around both my legs. I'm going, what the hell is that? Chomp, chomp. And the next door, oh, you got fleas, I think. It looked like fleas to me. Wonderful. So it's just like being in a whole different world. Why did you go down there? Like you were doing radio here. Give people some background. You were doing radio here. I was doing radio up here. I love how your wife just cut your legs over here. He was fired. He was a loser. It's a failure. Oh, that's exactly right. It was either that or live under a bridge. It's homeless. <laughs> She's right. I got fired. Here. Here it. Well, what happened was... You go to college. You get out of college. I never went to college. I never even finished high school. Oh, that's right. You tell me that. Um, that's why I said ain't. So I, I, I kept getting fired from all my radio jobs. So how did you? why did you decide to go into radio? Because uh, I, it was on the uh, Hennepin County. Hennepin County is where Minneapolis is located. Mm-hmm. They had a thing at the time called the WIN program, the Work Incentive Program, where they would take at-risk youth. Even though I was not a juvenile delinquent, I was at risk because I was I had dropped out of high school and lived in the ghetto. Uh, so they thought I was at risk. <clears throat> so they said, we'll send you to school, put you through school. What do you want to study? And I said, well, do you have like a book of jobs? <laughs> right? And I, so they gave me this book that had job titles in it. And I got to the bees and broadcasting. I said, those fucking guys only work like three hours a day. That's what I want to do. I want to be a broadcast. That right? and you got tired of readings. You said, I'm, I'm done at the yeah. bees. Yeah, I'm yeah. done with the bees. I'm reading. I want to I want to go bet. <laughs> but luckily, you know, where I grew up, you had to bullshit your way out of a lot of things. I mean, Sean will be able to tell you that. Yeah. yeah. If you didn't make people laugh, they would kill you. That's yeah. exactly the way it was growing up in That's my fact. Italian neighborhood. Like, right? they were really tough guys. And I, my wife, we, we, I married a wasp from the right side of the tracks. Her father's a doctor. Her mother's a doctor. Her grandparents were doctors. Really? World War One and World War Two, <clears throat> excuse me. And she, when I told her for the first time f- that we would get in fights, fist fights, mm-hmm. on a regular basis, it's just like your wife is looking at me now. Oh, I know. Yeah, like like weird, but then yeah. you're also turned on yeah. a little bit. Like say, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Stare at oh, it. Yeah. Stare at the phallic microphone. Oh, I can't even look at uh, it. Your husband's got cancer. He's going to be dead in 10 minutes <laughs> exactly. anyway. Um, He'll be your new best friend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there, there. It'll be fine. Not at the be... funeral. <laughs> Move over, Tom. I got some business. <laughs> well. Wow, this has gotten dark. Good thing it's my podcast. Right, by the way, pumpkin tortillas are a sponsor of our mother. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. My wife was shocked. Yeah. That I mean, they were regular. I remember, and this is you mentioned the guys calling in and like not saying anything about the N word being said, and they were commenting on the bike. This right. is like a similar, not similar, but related in some way. I got in a fist fight with Eddie Sinodowski, who went to reform school like four times. He's a poet. Right, right. They made me. They basically made me. They wanted to steal cookies from the local convenience store, so I went in and I was the misdirect. I went in and I would ask questions, and then they I would steal that. the cookies, and then we'd go eat the cookies. Mm-hmm. It's true. Nice. And 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 I didn't think anything. I was like, yeah, you steal the cookies, and we were racist too. Like there was a guy who had like a little penny candy store, and he would never like give you a break on anything. And his name was John's Candy Store. We called him John the Jew. We would oh. say that all the time. <laughs> it was completely racist. Or we'd say, like, well, you, what are you trying to Jew me down on that? Like, we sure. would say things like that. And no, because it was so cloistered. It was Italian, all Italians, and anybody that wasn't Italian were, for, like, foreign. Like, I didn't meet a Jewish person until I was 13 years old. 
I didn't know they well, existed. Geez. And when I met them, didn't care for them. I found that they were controlling. No. So, Tony? So, Hi, Paul. How are you? Well, you're <laughs> Why are you wheeling your chair away now? You, you know what it is? She never looked at your nose, but you're right. Yeah, see, that, that, is that a would big have been the, the tip off. Belief. And speaking of tip. You, you, you anglicized your name. <laughs> no, actually, that's, that's my real name. He's really? Korean. But... <laughs> <laughs> Papa changed it before plan. he was married. If he didn't, I would have been the big Lebowski. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lebowski? Lebowski? Yeah. I didn't know it was Lebowski. Harold Lebowski. And by the way, he's married to a Sicilian woman. Are you really? <laughs> yeah. How does that work? Well, Jews and Italians are a lot alike. Very similar. Yeah. Food, Emotion, family. Food, basically family. You just mm-hmm. have all the fucking money, but that's like... <laughs> Now, tell people what your relationship with Tom is and the family, and you work with Tom. What, tell me. Yeah, well, we met uh, back – I used to work at KQ mm-hmm. and uh, as a writer, producer, and uh, we just we just kind of hit it off. They'd have parties at the station, and we had similar senses of humor and grew up in ethnic neighborhoods. Right. And, you grew uh, up in the area, Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. St. Paul. Yeah, in St. Paul. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, you know, I filled in a couple times for people who were on the show who weren't there. Mm-hmm. And in, I guess it was just Stole a good chemistry. And a, about a year later, they asked me to hang out and join That's the great. show. Yeah. And so you've been with Tom for how many God, years? I, I was there for 10 years. Wow. And then we got back together on this. <clears throat> yeah. Where'd you go? For Tell me about years? six. Oh, God. Israel? Was, yeah, yes, I did. I went to <laughs> Tel Aviv <laughs> on, a, on a marvelous journey. <laughs> Open a little drugstore. <laughs> you got a scarf in the way it's wrapped. You definitely uh, you look Middle Eastern, angry about Palestinians. I've heard that terrorist has been dropped in my presence. Really? Uh, has yes. it really? Yes. You and Ari Shafir. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got that scary look, but I'm really a, a not as scary lightweight. As Andy. No, Andy's got that intense <laughs> sinister. So now you're so. So when you're working, oh, oh, the thing about I was saying real quickly, I want to get back to you was like, so I get in a fight with Andy Sidnowski, and we're fighting all over the neighborhood for like two hours, and it's really cold out. It's like February, so he took our jackets off, and all the other kids are following us around, and we're fist fighting, and we're punching each other, and rolling, and punching, and punching. And my, this is how common it was. My mother rolls up in her Pontiac Bonneville, rolls the past the window down, and she goes, <laughs> "What are you doing, Eddie, Paulie? What are you doing?" Like, well, you go. Put your jackets on. You're going to catch your death. Oh, she drives away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can fight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just it was just like, wow. you know, and that's what people did. And so so you're in that place where you're trying to find, you got to do something or you're going to get yourself in Yeah. Trouble. So, I mean, basically what happened was, is uh, I was working at this place, WDGY, Y11. It was an AM station. They were trying to make it sound like an FM station. Mm. And it was kind of like an album rock station. And uh, the general manager decided – now, he, he had – about uh, two years earlier, same general manager, right? And he's still my friend, by the way, mm-hmm. after all this. A guy named Dale Weber. Great guy. So in 1975, I go out to the station, and I'm sitting there talking to the general manager and the program director. And I said, okay, well, I'll talk to you guys later. I said, okay. So I drove home to North Minneapolis. This is, I come through the front door. The phone's ringing. And I answered the phone. And I said, hello. He goes, hey, Tom, it's Dale. Dale and Johnny here at WDGY. I said, hey, what's up? You're fired. <laughs> they what? wouldn't fire me in person. Really? Because they were afraid <laughs> to fire me in person, right? They thought I'd go berserk on them. Yeah. Well, the, the, sales, the head of sales the day I was hired there comes up to me and goes, what are you doing? I said, just hanging around. He goes, well, you're not allowed in here. I said, what are you talking about? I was sitting in the lobby of the radio station. That was Mark Coleman. But didn't you show up oh in God. that in that interview with like you were like in 
cut off jeans. He thought that I was the Toro Tommy. guy. Tommy. They called you Tommy. Yeah. And that you were like a kid, and they thought it was some kid that came in off the... They thought I was the Toro guy there to cut the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why he's like, well, you're not supposed to be in here. You're the lawn boy. Always the fashion plate. <laughs> right. But, yeah, these guys became my friend. So, so two years later... Uh, they called me from WDGY. I said, yeah, we need a guy to fill in to read the news. They want me to read news in the morning. Mm. So I said, yeah, I can do that. And then they decided that format wasn't going to work, and they were going to uh, turn it into a country and western station. Um, I, don't see, I don't see you <laughs> no. in that. No, no. no, no I can see that. Yeah, no, it's Keith Urban. Uh, Keith, I think his name is Keith Urban. Whatever. Uh, Alan Jackson. Um, so anyway, they said, well, we're going to probably not keep a whole lot of the people on the on the station because we're album rock people whatever and i said well you know i'd actually like to audition for the morning show and everybody started laughing and said you could never do morning drive right. and you at this point no. you're reading the news mm-hmm. and that's it and that's all and I'm how are you supporting yourself i wasn't making a whole lot of money i was making like 12 grand a year or something look like at that. me that's a lot of money look at his me. neighborhood uh-huh. i want to ask you a question uh-huh. were you a male hooker at no 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 absolutely not i tried <laughs> didn't get a lot of customers it was tough <laughs> it was tough, it was uh, tough. Was with i could get it up and yeah. then it was took a while to get it up a second time <laughs> so yeah well all of a sudden it was like okay they I, so i didn't really get fired they just kind of closed the station and became country and western and, yeah you got fired but the, one of the great things <laughs> One of the great things, just wow. you know, she you know, does uh, she does wonders for your personal. It's just unbelievable. Wow, that's exhausting. That's, I, I was feeling sorry for her. I'm not so sorry for you. I understand. Oh, ganging one, up. One great thing about nine years later, when I started at KQRS, and then our ratings went through the roof thanks to the people in Minnesota. I sent a message to each one of those people that said, you, you, "You could never do morning drive." I said, "Fuck you." How about that? <laughs> you did. They didn't, because they had no interest in giving anybody a chance. Yeah. It's like, I didn't... You know, it sound like this, you know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, morning radio. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so I didn't, you know, puke. So I, I apparently couldn't be a Well, but you're guy. motivated, I think, the same way I'm motivated. If someone says no to me... Oh, yeah. And that's my... I get that from my mom, I think. That yep. If someone says no, that's the best... I say that to my son, like, that the best thing someone's going to do is tell you you can't do it. Well, I mean, that, that was the deal with... For the same reason, by the way, when I started doing voiceover in 1977, they said, oh, you'll never, you'll never ever make any money at this. You sound too black. I mean, 1977, blacks were not getting hired to do acting, voiceover, yeah. you know, radio, nothing. Well, because they would steal the... <laughs> sure. You know, they'd Trans- show up on the set and then there'd be no cameras. <laughs> Trans- they'd be like, gone. where'd they go? And it's like, the guy with the afro. There you go. The, only the Jew? No, 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 not the Jew. Not, the, <laughs> not <laughs> afro Jew, black Jew. Black, black hair Jew. Only thing they never stole was the scene. <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh, there you go. So in the trajectory the of things, you are... Your voiceovers came before the serious radio career or somewhere in the middle yeah, of that? I, yeah, I mean, I was a nighttime disc jockey before 1977. Right. And then uh, in 1977, I actually went to work for Capitol Records as a regional right. promotion guy. Yeah, that's when you were in New York. Uh, no, I was still here then. Uh, but weren't you living in New York and you moved out of New York when Catherine was pregnant? That was 1985, 86. Right. So that was some years later. So yeah. I was in New York from... 80 until 86. And what brought you to New York? Because that's where all the advertising was being done. Now it's mostly voiceover. out of L.A. now. So you kind of segued out of radio for a while because you're doing so much voiceover work and that was your no, main No, because no one would hire me in radio. <laughs> I couldn't get hired in radio because I just – I never lasted – before I held this But job, were they right? Like what was the thing – Catherine, were they right? Seriously. 
I, I really have no idea. Like, what thought, was Because, you know, sometimes people are writing something. What was lacking in your skill set then that's not lacking now? Uh, Respect for authority. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, but because you, I tell but, people to go fuck themselves. Oh, polit- like in the office. Yeah, yeah. I that's, mean, Tony knew that, that about me. That, that right? literally, I mean, that, when I, I worked for a short time for a few months in Fargo, North Dakota, you talk about a guy out of his wow. element. Wow! Right? So I go from North Minneapolis to Fargo, that's North God Dakota. That's God teaching you a lesson. And the, the owner, not just the a president, right? he has a you can't keep true. your mouth shut. You're going to Fargo. <laughs> fuck you, Fargo. Can't keep your mouth shut. You're Grand going Forks. to Bismarck. Grand Forks. No, Grand Forks. Yeah. But the owner of the radio station, yeah, uh, not just the, he wasn't just the president or the you know the GM or aunt. He was the owner of the radio station. Uh, I went on every night at six o'clock from six to ten, and he would leave every night at six o'clock. And on the way out, he would walk by the studio and give me the finger <laughs> every night. <laughs> That's a true story. He hated that. Was the kind of relationship you had? He, he hated me, but the ratings were really good, so he couldn't fire me. Well, what were you doing that he would hate? Just, you? Were, you would needle him. I actually bought a brand new Cadillac. Uh, what were they called? Those really? Oh God, those things were Brome. Beautiful. The Eldorado was that? A oh name? yeah, my oh, yeah. uncle oh. used to get an Eldorado every two oh, years. Oh, oh, there you go. Well, the first night he got his Eldorado. Uh, I was sliding on the ice and put a huge dent in his car, <laughs> but I didn't tell him about it, right? Nice. So what happened was nice. he leaves at 6 o'clock. It's dark. It's winter. So he leaves. Next day, he comes out to his garage, goes around the other side of the car, sees a huge dent in it, and goes in and starts bitching at his wife because he said he thinks that she's the one who caved it in because she was out drinking with her pals or something. I, Did you ever straighten that out? No. But don't <laughs> nice. you think that your defiance... And you're rebellious. I I think that attitude is what sort is a double edged sword, but is also what makes a person achieve at a very high level, especially someone as dumb as you. Yeah, um, I mean, no question about they that. Couldn't get out of high school, but no, I I believe that. Like I think, like yeah, I, I see people in my life. I think uh, to some extent, I know my. I always talk about my mom, but she's very rebellious, and because of that, has achieved not on a massive in terms of making money, but like. You know, she runs her own business, all this stuff, and I, but very, very defiant. And I think those yeah. people tend to kind of bust out. Well, Tony will tell you that everybody said the show was not going to work. They said, no. He, this is the KQ show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, the, said, and, the pre, and the format is what the format is now, basically news, pop yeah. culture, politics, discussion a little bit. But the first time anybody on the air in that town, in this town, I should say, uh, everyone on said, Every team in this town sucks. They're all horrible. You can be, you know, oh, so, yeah, you're just a uh, fair-weather fan. No, I'm not a fair-weather fan. We're paying all this money to come and see you play. Get off your ass and win. Mm. So we blasted the teams. We blasted the politicians. And people weren't doing that. No. Yeah. I, oh, I this market was so milk toast. Yeah, yeah passive-aggressive, overly phony-friendly. Because they wanted access to those teams and those people to come yes. on. Yeah, show, right? exactly. <laughs> the thing that really broke it open was uh, our our – quarterback at the time. This is a huge NFL market. Mm. Huge NFL market. Fran Tarkenton? No, it was a Tommy Kramer. Oh, yeah, I remember. Tommy Kramer was being interviewed on a radio station in I Chicago. I did blow with him in San Francisco. I'm sure you did. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> he had done an interview with the, uh, a radio station in, in Chicago, right. and he was drunk during the interview. Well, Fred Winston was the guy who did the and Fred's an old friend of mine. So Fred sends the, the tape of this interview and I played it on the air. Well, I shouldn't say I. We all, uh, as a group, said, well, we'll play this on the air. To play their big quarterback hero being drunk, making just an ass.
ass of himself. Right. I mean, we got death threats. Did you really? Oh, God. Nobody yes. else would have done that at the time. See, but what, ha- see, but what makes you unique is that you're not just working in the genre that everybody's working in, but you're sort of creating a, a new offshoot of the genre. Because I would imagine in the 70s, 80s, it was a lot of like safe Dick Clark kind of radio. It right? was. Like Ab- real kind of clean and happy and everything's upbeat. And here comes a guy who they think he's a lawn guy in cut-off jeans <laughs> right. who's bringing his defiant point of view in life pretty much on the air right? and then off the air as his boss Lisa and gives him the finger, right? Like, so, yeah, exactly. But, but it takes time for the culture to catch up to art. Like, I believe that. Like, I believe... Like, well, The Daily Show is a perfect example of a show I work on. For three, four years, you say The Daily Show, yeah. and nobody knew what you were talking about. Right, right. They literally thought... And they'd say stuff like, is it on daily? And then you'd shoot them in the head to be so stupid <laughs> and a product of the public yeah. school system. But um, I do believe that. I do... Like, Lenny hmm. Bruce was like that. Oh, like, yeah. it took time. It, and so, you... That you persevered through that and getting fired and not finding a home for a while is commendable because... It's you're you're going down a path where the rest of the area is going. That's never going to work. That's too whatever. That's too. No one criticizes our heroes. No one. Right now, exactly. that's all anybody did. And Howard Stern and everybody right. else followed from that. That's why he didn't win here because it had already been done here. Tell people that story. He came in and tried to basically take over the market and and yeah. sort of trash you in the process. Right, trash my family. They, I, I never heard it. You know, because we were on the air at the same time, Tom so I never didn't like that. Yeah. I did, yeah. but uh, <laughs> you so did. That wasn't me. <laughs> I heard it. You yeah, did. It was awful. We it do was sound a, the same. Pretty though. bad. Yeah. Yeah. I understand it was pretty bad. Yeah. So he tried because he had never lost anywhere. Right. He had won every. He went into Philadelphia and won there, and these other markets and he won there, and then he tried to take us on and got nowhere. He got no ratings at all. Yeah. Because we didn't talk about it. Yeah. You know, he would talk about it. he'd talk about my wife and my children, That's and say really horrible smart. things. Yeah, we just bait you. But yeah, but, but being somebody like yourself who comes from the streets and mm-hmm. like the first reaction, which I understand is punch somebody back in the mouth if they punch you. How do you refra- how did you did you have to strap him down, Catherine? Oh, he'd like, come home you- and he said he would say, you know, Howard Stern said this about you and that about you. And I said, I don't know Howard Stern. Mm. I don't give a shit what Howard Stern says about me, to tell right. you the truth. And if people want to listen to that, then that's what they want to do. Yeah. Right. Don't don't Try to defend my honor or get weird about the family. We're yeah, we're smart. okay. Yeah. But at the same time, I will tell you this: if I ever meet him, I I will punch him in the fucking mouth. <laughs> <laughs> After all these years, if I ever meet him, right. I will punch. And him. if that happens, and you don't make sure that I'm there, I'm going to be. I'm going to punch <laughs> you. In the mouth. Well, they actually pay him once once he uh, goes into a new market. They pay him for about two weeks to blast the biggest competitor in that market. Yeah, right. Right. Oh, is that how it works? Yes, exactly. Right. And this is uh, the voice of Sean. Yeah. Sean is the nephew of Tom and works with Tom, has been in radio for 20, 20 years, 20 yeah. years yeah. Uh, done advertising, works with Tom on the podcast, the family. And how is it working with Tom? Fantastic. Don't look at him. Look at me. Isn't it hard working for uh, somebody that is uh, rebellious? Like my, it's really hard working with my mom because she won't listen sometimes. Does he listen? I, I think that there's some listening, but there's a lot of direction from him too. And so, I had a friend of mine say, "You are uniquely qualified to work with Tom on this job." Mm. Because, oh, there's no question. Because but it's also a family trait. 
There's a family. I mean, Tom and I are both fiercely competitive, and I lived down the street from him in North Minneapolis. And so there's it's some true. They were comparing penis size when I came <laughs> into yeah, the podcast. Yeah. Both of them lost. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah, we both lost. That was the problem. Yeah. Let me put it to you this way: there were three people, and the third was a black guy, and he lost. So that's just so you know how this family is. I'm still waiting for my test to to drop so I actually get Tom's voice. So I'm, I'm 41, so someday. So how did you track into radio out of college? You just actually, I was college living, radio. Guy? I was living down in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And I grew up acting and did an impersonation of a local weathercaster on a radio station down there. Mm-hmm. And it sounded just like this guy. And so I started doing that in this morning show. And then I told my father I wanted to get into radio. And he said, well, Tom's doing fairly well up in Minneapolis, which I had no idea he was doing as well as he was. That right, because he, was- he, un- he was Uncle Tom, the guy unemployed. Yeah. Well, he was kind of this guy. That, like back then, as a kid, I was like voiceovers. What the fuck does commercials? Yeah. You thinking a guy swinging a hammer like my dad? You know, you did. I just didn't know how much money right. he was making or anything right. like that. But I got into it for different reasons. I always looked up to Tom in radio, and I always thought that would be fun. And again, like Tom, yeah. I thought I don't want to work that hard. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you don't want to do physical this is the labor. Is the other trait. Yeah. But I called. I called up. I called up Tom in high school, about ready to graduate. I called up Tom and I say, Tom, it's Sean. He's like, How you doing? I'm like, Good. I said, Tom, I, I really want to get into radio. He goes, why the hell would you want to do that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what the hell do you want to do that for? Yeah. And then you started on air? Or you just uh... Yeah, I did on air for five years in the middle of nowhere, South Dakota. And how uh, did Wisconsin. you like that? What's it like starting out? Uh, for people out there who think they want to have a career in radio, I want them to understand. Um, because I think sometimes we take for granted what we do, whether it's radio or TV. And people are like, ah, just every... people are really fascinated like how it works, right? Like... And sort of the dues that people pay coming up, and Tony can speak to this too. Like what, and uh, what is that like starting out? Like how hard is it? It's tough as hell. I mean, I, I I never lived in a city smaller than Minneapolis, which is about three and a half million people with St. Paul and everything. And literally, I got a call from a radio station in the middle of South Dakota called Winner. <laughs> 3,800 people. A winner south And I, the guy hired me over the phone. He said, heard your tape. Come out. Do afternoon drive. I got in my car, drove eight hours to this tiny little town. <laughs> wow. And got into a bar fight about a week after I was there. Perfect. Yeah. Was what it a you? woman with curlers in Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bitch. Uh, but yeah, it... it, it it was hellish in many ways, just culturally, as Tom can tell you, when he lived up in, yeah. you know, uh, North Dakota and everything. It's it's bizarre to be in town. Like Tom that. is an aberration in that yeah. most people in radio, especially on air people, are vagabonds and live, yeah. won't even buy a house because they don't know. Like they move every year, every eighteen months. Like boom, you're moving around. It's That's hard. True, yeah. It's not as bad as stand up, but I've talked to enough stand up guys. Just yeah. the lifestyle of that. You you have to have this thing in you of. A chip on your shoulder, almost like I'm going to succeed no matter what. So whatever the fuck it takes for me to, yes, you know. But I think the road makes you better as a comic. Yeah, like to just stay oh, in yeah. New York and in L. A. is a bad thing. Like yeah. you, you, you build a sense of confidence to be able to walk into a city, in the Midwest, uh, wherever. As f- more foreign, the better. Like I mm-hmm. had to do an all black room in Chicago, and it freaked yeah. me out. Yeah. And uh, and then I found I was just like relaxed. They're the same issue. They yeah. have jobs and wives and issues and you know and curlers, curlers and kids, lots of kids and paternity uh, <laughs> tests and lawsuits uh, and and so all that stuff makes you stronger. Yeah. And so you're five years there, and then said, uh, Yeah, I got into sales, and I mean, uh, Tom will tell you, or Tony will tell you that it's. It's just it's a very, a very bizarre life for a long time, and it's a lo- it can be very lonely too. Well, bizarre in what way, Tony? Like, so if someone wanted to get into radio, what would you tell them? 
if they really wanted to do it. I mean, maybe you would say not do it, but like, what what would you tell them to do to help their chances to move along? Radio is filled with uh, pirates and characters, people who like I had. Uh, I didn't have a conventional background. I didn't come from radio. Right. I kind of fell into it. I did some improv comedy. I was, I was more of a writer, mm-hmm. and I could do some voices and such. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I didn't follow that path. But a lot of people have to go into small markets and be vagabonds for a while. Mm. Um, but when you say pirates, what do you mean? Like uh, Tommy, don't like working for people. Don't yeah. like the convention. Don't yeah. like the nine to five. Yeah. Uh, every day is different and weird, and there's not a lot of security. Yeah. But I was thinking with John, I think it was his first morning. It was in Marshall, Minnesota. Yes. And he called me up. He's like, Tony, I'm going to be doing mornings in this small town. And as a joke, I said, what do they call them this show? The Breakfast Flakes? And there was a big pause. <laughs> our, our program director was going to make us call it The Breakfast Flakes. Oh, no fucking way. Cliche. That is great. Oh, it was awful. <laughs> but do you discourage That's people great. from going in the radio? Or if, I mean, you know, I hear it's so tumultuous now because with vertical integration and mm-hmm. companies like Clear Channel, whatever, buying everything up and firing people, like it's a different animal than it was. And so much more is, is automated and one person is doing uh, the job of five. Why do you think so. do you, these people meters are accurate? You think people are tuning out when there's talk? That's what I keep hearing. The more talk, the more they're tuning out. Is that true? People who listen to talk radio won't wear the meters. Uh in in this market, as far as PPM is concerned, uh, a full quarter of the people who wear the meters are unemployed. Another quarter of the uh, audience makes less than twenty four thousand dollars a year. Those people don't listen to talk radio. Whether it's you know, it doesn't matter if it's conservative talk or liberal talk. They just don't listen. Like I, I don't know anyone when I talk to them. I talk to bankers. Well, we wouldn't let people wear meters. Uh, it just it, it looked like at the workplace, you know, antiquated. Yeah, at the workplace, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, policemen can't wear them. Mm-hmm. That, those are huge segments of the KQ Morning Show audience. Policemen can't wear them. Firemen can't wear them. Construction workers can't wear them. There are all these professions. Doctors cannot wear them. Nurses can't right. wear them. So you're not not an accurate read. No, not at all. It's bull, total bullshit. Right now, if, if they did it on cell phones, which I guess they don't have the technology to do, that's what I'm being told anyway. Right. If they did it on cell phones, then it would be very accurate. Right. It would be much better than diaries used to be, but it will never be there because, right. again, the people who wear the meters are the ones who need the money to wear the meters right. in general. Well, it looks like a pager. Have you ever seen one of these yeah. things? Yeah. It looks like a 1980s pager. Yeah. Like, who the hell wants to – Right. You know, I that. And you're right. I think if people don't have much going on, then it's uh, it's just fascinating to me because – there is a power that radio has. You sit in that little room and then you realize that like, you reach a lot of people. And do yeah. you ever lose that perspective? Like we do with The Daily Show, I think. Like, people you know. do. They do. They, like there are people once in a while I have to remind. You do realize people are listening Yeah, to I, when I come on and I come into this market and I'm, I'm performing and I, they hear me on your show, the first thing they'll say is, that guy Tom seems like an asshole. Absolutely. <laughs> I no question And I'm like, that. you hit it right on the head, buddy. It's just accurate as hell. But, um, you know what's really interesting about that, just very quickly, is in, in this town, um, because I am the way I am and mm-hmm. just you know, have that fuck you attitude, even though we were the first show that had a woman on it, Two Jews, mm-hmm. a black guy. I mean, we had people that couldn't right. get hired. Right. I mean, well, we got in every category. Didn't I know we? that right. you've had protests over the years from people because you make racial comments or whatever. Yeah. But I, see, you're like me in that I think that there. Are, we I think we all have stereotypes of people, mm-hmm. and it's okay to say that you have them. I don't think you're truly racist. No. Uh, you have a lot of hate 
stuff in your house. Uh, <laughs> My Nazi, Nazi memorabilia. Well, he's got a swastika robe that looks fabulous on me. Unbelievable. Um, on this episode of the Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast, brought to you, as always, by Bradshaw and Bryant. Great clips this week from Willie Martin, Chris Kattan, and Paul Mercurio. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>